Hey, I got a message for you tonight. I'm excited to share. It's called the God who goes before the God who goes before. So I want you to do me a favor. Would you turn to Galatians chapter one and 15, Psalm 139, Jeremiah chapter one, Isaiah 49, Ephesians chapter one, Romans eight, Ephesians two. Did y'all get that? I'm just kidding. You don't have to turn to all of those. I'm going to read them for you. But if you can, you can go to Galatians chapter one and verse 15. I want to talk to you about the God who goes before Galatians 1 and 15 says this, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Psalm 139 and 16 says, your eyes saw my unformed substance and your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Jeremiah chapter one, verses four through five say, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you or I set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Isaiah 49 and five says, and now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and God has become my strength. Ephesians 1 and 4 says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Romans 8 and 29 says that those he foreknew, he also did predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The reason I read so many verses is because sometimes I think Jeremiah 29 and 11 is the only one we can remember. And we think maybe that's the only place in the Bible where God reminds us that he was before us and before we were born, he knew us. And I think sometimes we can get lost and forget that God knew us before we even started breathing breath in this life and that he has mapped out every day for us. He has a plan for us. Nobody snuck into the world. You were spoken into existence by a God who loves you and has a plan for you. You need to understand that tonight, that, that when, you were, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, that God wasn't running around heaven like, what do I do with this one? No, he had already, before you got into your mother's womb, he had already planned a plan for you. See, God creates plans and then he makes people. Even in the beginning, we see how God had a place before he made people. God got the earth ready and then he put a man and a woman in it. You don't sneak into the earth. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake on a Friday night after a night at the club. (laughs) You are fashioned by your creator with a purpose in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you tonight that you are the God who goes before us. And if that is true, then that should change our reality in so many different ways should affect how we see our life in so many different ways. Because there are people in this room tonight who are wondering, well, if God's plans for me are good, then why am I experiencing so much bad? And here's the revelation you need to catch. Listen, if God's plan is good and your situation is not good, that means that God isn't finished with you yet. And you serve a God who not only knows how to start a thing, but he knows how to finish a thing. And so let's Let's be reminded tonight, oh God, of your ability to perform in the middle of whatever we are in and to finish what you started. In the name of Jesus, we pray. 
and everybody said amen. So the God who goes before me, so that means that not only does God go in front of me, but God is before me. He is before me. And so that means that before I was created, my purpose was determined. And when I have been chosen by God and marked by God, loved by God, and his hand has been placed on my life, that means, oh man, that there is nothing that the enemy can do to stop what God plans to do with me. The Bible teaches us that it says that many are the plans of man, but it's the Lord's will that prevails. And I love it that it uses the word prevails because that means that you're in a, you're in something that's a competition. In other words, God is going to win this competition. When it comes to your, your purpose and the plan that God has for your life, he's going to win out. That means for the rest of your life, if you have been chosen by God, you are in trouble because he will fight you so that his will would be accomplished in your life for the rest of your life. That's why the psalmist said, if I go to the highest of highs, you are there. And if I make my bed in hell, you are there. There is nowhere I can escape your presence because if I belong to you, I belong to you. I wonder if there's anybody in the room tonight that's grateful that I belong. Come on to the Lord and he will prevail in my life. He will fight for my purpose. And so it teaches me just a few things. And I want to share those things with you tonight. The first thing is this. It teaches me that I should stop complaining about what is and start praising God for what never was. I feel like this section right here, you kind of you kind of caught that, but I'm going to say that again because I need y'all to get it back here and I need the overflow to hear it because I'm not hearing them make any noise out there, but we need to stop. Comp- hey, there they go. Let's go. I love it. We need to stop. Listen, complaining about what is and start praising God for what never was. Listen, I know you had a plan. I know you had this idea. I know you had it all worked out. I know you had your five-year plan, but God blew it up. He's really good at blowing up our plans, isn't he? And I love this about God is, is that God knows what is best for us. And so much of our frustration is about what is. And God is saying, if you only knew what never was, you would never cease to praise me another day in your life. See, there are people in this room tonight and you, you're so frustrated with life and, and praise and worship started. And you're just like, I don't have nothing to praise God about. My day's been bad. Everything's going bad. Nothing's working out for me. And God is looking at you like, you don't know what never was in your life. If I showed you a picture of what never what you think this is bad if I showed you a picture of what I saved you from you would run around this room right now there's nobody that could slow you down or stop you is there anybody in the room tonight grateful for what never was God I don't have to know what you delivered me from I just know it's worse than what I'm experiencing right now some of you are like man I wish that relationship would have worked out and God's like no I saved you Man, I wish that marriage would have worked out and you're crying still because you got divorced and God's like, no, I rescued you from that situation. That would have been another 10 years of hell and it would have ended anyway. So let me get it out. (laughs) Let me end it (laughs) while it's it's a good season to end it. Some of y'all are holding on to stuff for too long. Y'all remind me of Moses sometimes, church people. 
Y'all remind me of Moses who, when God came to Moses and he said, hey, Moses, he was mad at the, at the children of Israel because they were complaining. And he came to Moses and he said, get out of the way. I'm going to kill everybody. <laughs> so he did. And Moses is like, no, God, no, Lord, save them. And God was like, for real? He's like, yeah, keep them around, God. Because, you know, if, if, you, if you take them out, then your enemies are going are gonna to think bad of you. And I'm sure God is listening to Moses like, oh, yeah, never Never thought of that. Moses is like, like he's informing God of something. Well, because God loves Moses so much, watch what he does. He actually allows these people that he wanted to take out. He allows them to stay alive. But he says to Moses, hey, listen, I'm going to let them live, but they're not going in anyway. Watch what happens. Years later, the same people that God tried to take out agitated Moses to such a point that Moses missed out on the promised land because of people that were still in his life that God was trying to get rid of. Can I give you some advice tonight? When God's trying to take something or somebody out of your life, let them go. Let God do it. Stop crying over your past. Press forward to what is in front of you. Come on, somebody. You need to give God praise because of what never was. And some people are like, man, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50. I thought I'd be here by now. I thought I'd have this by now. I thought my life would look like this by now. And see, here's the thing. We, we noticed in all of these scriptures that we just read, there's a common thing that when you are chosen by God, you are set apart. You are consecrated. That means he takes you from the crowd and he puts you over here And you're looking over there like, man, I wish I could have it like they have it. Man, I wish I could get away with the stuff they get away with. Man, I wish it would be that easy for me. Man, I wish I'd be married in 25 and have a house and a career. But I'm 25 and single and I'm over here by myself. God, don't you have a plan for my life? And sometimes we think that people experiencing the American dream is God's plan for somebody's life. But let me tell you something. God didn't die so that you could have the American dream. God died for you so that you could experience it's his dream for your life. And most of the time, his dream doesn't look like your dream. I just want you to know this, that many are the plans of man, but it's the Lord's will that will prevail. God, I thought it was going to look like this. And, and I thought, and, and here's the other thing about being set apart is that when you're set apart, what's going to happen for, for a lot of your life is you are going to feel like you are different. You are going to feel like you are, you are unique. You're going to feel like you are weird. <laughs> you're going to feel like you are a misfit. And that's, that's, that's the reality. You are, you are weird. <laughs> the Bible says you are a peculiar people. That just means odd. You're strange. That's what the Bible says about you, but you are set apart for a reason. And we look at a lot of things that are happening and we look at our life and we're like, man, so many people are leaving me out. I can't even get in a Facebook group. People keep leaving me out. (laughs) But listen, it's never somebody leaving you out. It's always God keeping you out. See, you want it to happen this way, but God says, if I give it to you this way, it's going to ruin your life. You need to let me take you on the path that I have created and designed for you. That path isn't going to look like everybody else's. So stop looking at somebody who's married at 25 and think that that's supposed to be the way your life turns out. Maybe God has somebody for you when you're 45. Maybe he wants you to give the first 25 years from 20 to 25 to 30 to 35 to 40 to 45. My God, if he lets you go to 50, I'm still going to be praying for you because that's a lot to ask of anybody. But maybe God's plan for you is that you would take from 20 to 40 and really serve and really give and really give all you've got to the kingdom of God. And then somebody comes in your life because listen, Pastor Jamin said it. He said, I would rather be whole or isolated or lonely and healthy 
than what? Than to with somebody and unhealthy and entertained. And you got to know, you got to trust God with your life. And a lot of people don't believe this about God. We say this a lot. I know the plans you have for me. I know you've got, I know you, my life is in your hands. I know that the people you love, they're, they're in your hands and nothing can separate them from the love of God. I know that you're working all things together for my good. But then we look at what is and we're like, I can't believe that this would be the thing that God chose for me. But I need you to understand something that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And you're like, but I'm not a good man. Are you thankful that Proverbs says a righteous man? Why does that matter? Because when you get saved, it's not about your righteousness. It's about his righteousness. You become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So if you've confessed Jesus as Lord, you might not be doing everything right, but God is still ordering your steps. God is still working. Oh my God. He is still working on your behalf. So listen, sometimes it's like, oh man, they're leaving me out. No, God's keeping you out. Rejection is protection. You're like, oh, they rejected me. No, 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 no. God was saving your life. Oh, they won't let me in that group. Oh, no, you don't understand. God is keeping you from something that would ruin your life. Oh, man, he's protecting you. He's more involved in your life than you think he is. He's not just up in heaven, just chilling out, just like, man, hope it all works out. No, he is actively engaged in your life. Philippians 1 and 6 says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to his completion. He's not going to get you out there and be like, all right, good luck. No, the Bible says that even when he left this earth, he said, hey, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you another helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he is going to be me with you in the earth. I was walking around with you, but he is going to live in you. Is there anybody thankful that the spirit of Jesus is living on the inside of you, and his name is the Holy Spirit of God? Come on, man. So he's working this out. So listen to this. I talked about this a little this morning, but I want to share it again. Listen, whatever he doesn't keep you from, he is going to walk you through. See, God has the ability to hide you. But if God hasn't hidden you, then God's grace is strong enough to walk you through. So this is what God knows about your life. God knows that the thing that has come into your life, he he knows this can destroy them. Or I can give them grace to walk through this. Now, if God knows it will destroy your purpose, he will hide you from it. But if it won't destroy your purpose, then he will walk you through it. Because nothing you go through, nothing you go through is going to make God look at you and call you unworthy. Unqualified. Undignified. Not good enough to do what he's asking of you. If it was going to, he would have hid you from it. But if it's happening in your life, then what's happening is God's grace is walking you through it. And you are actually stronger than you think you are. You are so much stronger than you think you are. And, and I know that because you're here tonight. Listen, coming to church is not an emotional decision. Because most of the time, your emotions are not saying go to church. Can anybody say, hey, yeah, that's, I feel you there. Like, and, and then you get here and then you don't get to be the one in the room. You got to be sitting out here and you drove all this way and you're sitting out here and you're like, man, I, I should have just stayed home. Have, have your emotions ever told you like, eh, don't worry about going to church. Nobody will know you weren't there anyway. 
Nobody will care. That's emotions. But when you make a decision to come to church, you have made not an emotional decision. You have made a praise decision. A praise decision is different from an emotional decision. An emotional decision is a reaction to what is happening to you. A praise decision is a decision you make because of what you believe God is going to do for you. So when I make a praise decision, my emotions might be telling me to stay home. But my praise decision says I'm going to church anyway because I, 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 I suspect... I'm actually a little bit suspicious of God that he is up to something good in my life. Like he, he has something for me in that room tonight. Like he has something that he wants to get to me in that room tonight. And so I'm going to church. I know my, I know my world is being rocked right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to make a praise decision to get to the house of God because I suspect that all day God has been cooking up something for my good and he wants to deliver something into my life tonight. And so I'm going to make a praise decision. Come on. Is there anybody tonight you made a praise decision to come to church? Like I'm in the house of God and I'm here because I believe that God has something he wants to say to me. Something he wants to deliver to me. I didn't come tonight to play games. You think this is a game? Come on, this is not a game. People's lives are on the line right now. Somebody is getting ready to make a decision about whether they want to live or to die. Somebody tonight is thinking about giving up on their marriage. Somebody is thinking about walking away from their kids. Somebody is thinking about giving up. And God has come in the room tonight to tell you, I'm so glad you came because I made something just for you that I want to hand deliver into your life. Come on, somebody, give God some praise tonight. God's intentional about your life. He's not like, oh man, I hope they have a good service tonight. So you get, oh, revival. That's cute. That's cute. That's cute. Revival. No, God has been working behind the scenes to deliver something into your life tonight. And the reason you have to make praise decisions is because nobody gets to be who God's called them to be without a fight. Nobody. I told you this morning, listen, there is no such thing as a grace, a, a gospel of avoidance or a grace that avoids trouble. The reason you need grace is because you go through trouble, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, right? I'm not going around it. I think sometimes we think when we get saved, that means we get to fly above all of our problems and we're just like up here, you know? And we're like looking down. Oh man, that looks bad down there. I feel bad for those lowly people. No, you're a Christian. You're right in the middle. But I love that grace doesn't say, hey man, good luck. Hope you make it. See you on the other side. No, grace gets right down in the middle of our dirty mess. And he fights with us. He fights for us. He holds the devil back. You don't know what God is saving you from right now. You don't know what damage God is saving you from right now. You don't know where God is in your future, working all things together for your good. You have no idea that God is five years down the road, working things out for you. He's looking out for you. He's standing in your future, waiting for you to get to it. And he's like, look what I have for you. Is there anybody thankful for a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? 
He's the God that lives outside of time. Come on, somebody. He knows about my past. He knows about my present. And he knows about my future. And that's why the devil always talks about your past because that's all he knows about you. He can't talk to you about your future because he's never been there. God only, no, oh, when God talks to you, he's not talking to you. That's why God never says, hey, you remember what you did? No, God is always saying, hey, guess what I have for you? Hey, guess what's in store for you? I know the plans that I have for you. Listen, how you know it's the devil? You know it's the devil when he comes and talks to you about your past. Why? Because that's all he can tell. That's all he can remember. That's all he can talk about. God, when he comes and talks to you, he didn't talk to you about your past. He always talks to you about your future. Can somebody give God praise tonight that he is constantly reminding you, hey, I've got something. Don't give up now. You have no idea what God's going to do for you in the next three days. And you, listen, if you're thinking about taking your life, don't do it. Three days from now, God could have something and he could hand deliver it to you. You could be a week away from your whole life changing. You could be a word away from your entire life changing. You could be a year away from the trouble in your life shifting into a brand new season. Don't give up now. You've made it this far. You made it through that. You can get through this too. You don't have to quit. Come on, man. You, ha you have made it this far. 18 years of pain. Don't end your life now. Don't give up now. When within the next 18 years, it can all change. You've already lived 18. Let's give it another 18. Come on. You've already lived 36. Let's give it another 36. Come on. You're 50 now. Let's get to 100. Come on, somebody. Today is not the day to die. Today is not the day to quit. Today is the day to make a decision that I'm going to see this thing through until the end. And I'm not going to close my eyes and I'm not going to stop breathing until I see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I just believe, I just have this suspicion. God is up to something. I've been through some crazy stuff in my life. My little boy, he's not with us uh, this week. Well, he's not little anymore. He's 18 years old now. And uh, my eight-year-old is with us. But when my 18-year-old, when, my when he was about uh, eight months old, or is it eight weeks old? Eight weeks. He was about eight weeks old. He got, he got really sick. I got to go to her for the, the details. <laughs> he was eight weeks old. And he got extremely sick. And uh, we took him to the hospital and the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. They're doing all these tests. Nothing is working. They're poking needles everywhere. They're, they're doing everything they can imagine. They can't figure it out. The last thing they really tell us before they take him uh, away is we think he's got some sort of uh, condition in his blood, some sort of infection in his blood. We don't know what type of antibiotics to treat him with. So we're going to take him and we're going to get him stable. We're going to calm down. And they finally got an IV. And, you know, sometimes with little babies, they have to put the IV in the top of the head because that's the best place to find a vein. So the next time we see him, he's up in this room. He's got IV on. He's got all these machines going and stuff. And we're having a complete meltdown. And I'll never forget, we were about three days into this. And I took my daughter home, Chloe, home. And we get back to the house. And I'm walking around the house. And, and, and it's not a house, actually. We were living in a trailer. <laughs> this is the funniest situation I ever remember being in because we had a, we had a trailer that we got for about $11,000 and we had a three car carport for the trailer. 
that cost $11,000. See, the guy that was living in the trailer, he had come on up. So he's like, he's got a trailer and he's got a Cadillac and he's got a Ford F-150 and he's got his lawnmower under the third part, right? And uh, we get there and we got like an old beat up Honda Civic and two more extra spaces for the cars God's going to give us someday. And hopefully he gets it. So I go into the house and when I go into the house, I go into our, into our bedroom. And when I leave the bedroom, there are fleas all over my legs because our dog had gotten fleas. I walk out into the kitchen and I nearly trip in the kitchen because the floor is falling through in the kitchen. And I walk out into the living room and I, I look up at the ceiling and the ceiling is yellow because the guy before us had smoked like crazy. So the ceiling is yellow. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about my son who's in the hospital. And I yell out to God, is this how you treat your preachers? I could have done anything, gone anywhere, but I decided to give my life to you. And this is how you're going to repay me. Maybe you've been there and I'm praying and I'm crying. I'm screaming. I'm yelling at God and God is prevailing with me. Every, every question I have, he keeps throwing back scripture. He keeps throwing back things that we've already made it through sicknesses that we've already made it through problems and issues that we've already made it through. And he's telling me, he's reminding me, if I got you through that, I will get you through this. I want you to believe me. And so I came out of that room. I got back to the hospital with an expectation that God was going to do something good. Now, did he do it the next day? Absolutely not. He did it a few days later. My son was able to come home from the hospital. He's 18 years old now and he's healthy and everything is great. But I need you to understand something that even if it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out, but but it worked out a different way. Can I tell you, God is still good and God still had a plan for my life. And even though things might not have worked out the way I wanted them to, God still had a plan for my life and God was still working something in my life and God was still doing something for me. I just want you to know that even if it looks bad right now, it is not over. It is just beginning. I want you to stay in there with God. I don't want you to quit now. I don't want you to walk away now. I want you to begin to trust God again. You have to be suspicious. God, you're up to something. God, I I know you're doing something behind the scenes in my life. Oh man. And that makes me believe and recognize that, you know what? I'm more than I thought I was. Sometimes you forget, don't you? You forget. You go through stuff. And you thought, man, that was going to end me. Whether it's a, a woman in here and you've, you've had a miscarriage and you're still unable to have kids or relationships keep falling apart or financially you're struggling or your heart is breaking or you got a bad report from the doctor. You thought you only had a certain amount of strength, but you're starting to realize that you're stronger than you thought you were. And you've got to stop gathering evidence against yourself. We spend so much of our time. We believe God for stuff, but then we start to gather evidence against ourselves, and we start to accumulate all of this stuff that we think is going to disqualify us and keep God from using us. And, and we wonder like, God, could you, and, and they did it all through scripture. God comes to Gideon. He says, Hey, mighty man of war. And he's like, who are you talking to? Like I'm, I'm, I'm in the tribe. That's the smallest. And I'm the smallest in my tribe. Who are you talking to? God comes to Moses and he says, hey, I want to use you as a mouthpiece. And Moses says, I don't even know who I am. And by the way, I have a speech problem. We are constantly making making excuses, coming up with evidence that we present to God as this is why you can't use me. 
Well, you, you don't know what I've done, God. I could never stand on that stage. God, you can never use me like that. You can never use me to heal people's marriages. Mine's broken right now. But I want you to know that if he hasn't kept you from it, he's given you the grace to walk through it. And what you think right now is going to end you actually becomes your testimony that ends the plan of the devil for somebody else's life, not just yours. Oh yeah, it was going to end something, but it was going to end the enemy's plan to destroy somebody else's life. Cause you're going to get to the other side of this thing. And when you get to the other side of this thing, you're going to meet somebody who's going through They're right in the middle of what you were going through. And you're like, listen, man, I know if God could bring me through, he can bring you through. Listen, I met a faithful God in the middle of the worst day of my life. And he brought me all the way through this. And I want you to know that you are going to live. You are not going to die. You are going to make it. This is going to be okay. God's got a plan. I know it might not work out the way you want it to work out, but let me tell you something as somebody who's on the other side of this, what God has for you than better is better than what you could even conceive for yourself. Listen, I want you to start to dream again. I want you to start to imagine things again. And as far as you can imagine, and as far as you can dream, guess what God says? He's in Ephesians 3:20. God who says, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or imagine. So go ahead and imagine, go ahead and dream. And guess what I'll do? I'll go ahead and surpass every dream and every imagination you had for your life. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Why? Because when I formed you, I I had your days already numbered. I know who you are. Nothing you go through confuses me or throws me off guard. I wasn't, I wasn't surprised when that happened to you. I wasn't wondering, Oh gosh, what are we going to do? I didn't know that was going to happen. Let me come up with some plan. Oh no, they did that. They did that. I got to change my plan. I can't do that anymore. So what are we going to do for them? No God who lives in eternity saw you do what you did and he still called you. Is there anybody here today just grateful for a God who knows everything about you, but he is still calling you? He still wants to use you. He's still in your future making plans for you. That's why you can't ever let someone who didn't create you define you. Listen, you didn't speak me into existence, so you don't get the right. You don't have the right to speak me out of existence. You weren't there. You aren't before me. God is before me. God created me. God planned for me. You might not have planned for me, but God planned for me. I know my name might not be on your list, but my name is on his list. I know I might not be on your VIP thing, but God's got me on his VIP thing. I know I might not be known by you, but God knows who I am. I know I might not be famous in your eyes, but in his eyes, I'm always before him. My face is always before him. He is always thinking about me. Jeremiah told me he's thinking about me. See, some of y'all, you got to believe this about God or else you'll be in the middle of situations and you'll be like, God, do you even care? And you're asking questions that he's already gave you the answer for in the Bible. Yeah, I care for you. God, are you with me? Yeah, I told you I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God, can you forgive me? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I forgave you before you did it. See, here's the thing about God. Whatever you do, he's already made provision for See, whatever, whatever question comes, God's already got an answer. Revelation says, says this, it says he's the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. You know what that means for you and I, that before Adam and Eve ever did what they did. And before you and I did what we did, he had already made provision. 
And you're wondering, God, do you, is there, is there, do you have a plan for me still? Do you, do you have a way out of it? Oh yeah. For every temptation, the Bible says, I have made a way of escape. He already planned the exit before you got in the building. And these things you have to believe about God or you'll be in the middle of your circumstance. You'll get discouraged and you'll be asking questions and thinking crazy stuff about God. That's, that's just not even true. Do you love me? Oh my gosh. How, how, he's, he gave the ultimate gift to you to declare that he loved you. While you were even a sinner, he didn't wait for you to love him. He loved you first. He's not waiting for you to be lovable. He doesn't love you more when you're good and at church and less when you're bad and at the club. Like he loves you the same all the way through. Not saying you should go, just saying that he loves you anyway. I used to think when I was growing up, I used to think crazy stuff about God. I don't know about you, but man, I'm so thankful that God has delivered me from so much religion. I had to be, I had to unlearn so much bad doctrine. I don't know about you guys, but I had to unlearn so much bad stuff. I used to think stuff like this, like people used to say, well, don't go to that movie. Well, why why not? Well, because if you go to that movie, God's not going to go to that movie with you. Who tell you stuff like this? You go to that movie. God's not going to go to that movie. God's not going to go in there with you. He doesn't, he doesn't, he, he doesn't go into that kind of filth and that kind of dirt. And I'm like, well, why did he even come into my life? Cause I'm about as dirty. I'm worse than this movie I'm about to watch right now. <laughs> I used to think stuff like, oh man, if I got really mad and I started, I started swearing or I had unforgiveness in my heart and I had a car wreck and I died that I wouldn't go to heaven. Like, because I didn't repent right before I died. Anybody else think this crazy stuff? I used to have this picture of God in heaven. Like, like the Bible teaches us that he's at the right hand of the father and he forever lives to make intercession for us. Like I had this picture in my mind of God. He's up in heaven and I do something wrong. And, and, and Jesus is like holding him off. Like God's like, I'm going to go. Oh, my God, I'm going to oh me. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take him out. And Jesus is like, no man, give him another chance, bro. It's all good. Like, you know, Jesus is like some hippie. He's like, it's all good, bro. Like we're fine. Peace and love and harmony. Everybody is fine. Just look the other way, bro. Like give him one more chance. Just one more, just for me, please give him one more chance. And I always had this idea that Jesus is like holding God off. That's not the picture of Jesus at all. He's not asking God for mercy. He's actually asking God for justice. He's not saying, God, will you give him another chance? He's saying, God, you have to give him justice. This should get you excited because justice for you and me is not what we deserve, but what Jesus deserves. Jesus is not pleading with God to hold off his justice or his judgment. He's pleading with God. He's saying, hey, give him just justice. He he's he he needs justice. He's saying he's saying. Give him what belongs to me. This is what God is saying. He's not, oh, give him a second chance. Oh, please give him a third chance. Oh, I know he did it again. And then finally God gets to this point where he's like, I'm out of, I'm out of chances. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to him again about that, bro. You've done that 36 times. And like, I'm tired of asking him about this one. No, we get justice. We get what's coming to Jesus. Jesus is like, give him what belongs to me. See, I know, I know that God is up to something good in my life because I know how he feels about his son. 
And if he loves his son, that means he loves me because I'm covered in his son's blood. And when he sees me, he doesn't see my sin. He sees his son and he sees his sacrifice. And so I know what's coming to me from God. It's good. That's why the Bible says that all good things come from the father above. It doesn't. And, the, and the, it tells you that the enemy, his plan for you is to steal from you, to kill you and to destroy you. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have what life and life to the fullest. True. That's really important for us to understand, man. So when he forms you, he forms you according to his knowledge of you. Think about that for a second. So he knew what you would need to do what he called you to do. So he forms you according to his knowledge of you. And you go and you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see because you're letting what other people think you should be inform who you are. But God had information on you that nobody else had. And so he made you, he formed you according to what he saw for you. Yeah. He, he was knitting you together before I was formed in my mother's womb. You knew me. And then when I was being formed, you were there forming me in the womb. And, and the picture that Psalm 139 paints for us is this picture of God having a relationship with us before we ever are born into the earth. Before you were born, I knew you. That's relational. You just say, I knew about you, but I knew you. See, that's why when he called your name, you knew his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. That's why I don't know how old you were when he called your name, but when he called your name, you're like, that sounds familiar. Why is that? Because when you were in the womb of your mother and God was putting you together, he's talking to you. Hey, listen, I love you. I'm going to send you into the earth. And one day I'm going to call you. And when I call you, you're going to recognize my voice. My sheep know my voice and a stranger. They will not follow. See, that's why Jesus said to the disciples, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. You didn't pick me. I picked you. I put you in the earth for such a time as this. So Esther, when I call your name, you're going to hear my voice. You're going to know it's me. Come on, when I, Jabin, when I call your name and I tell you to go to Las Vegas and plant a church, you're going to know it's me. You're not going to question. You're going to be willing to give up a successful ministry traveling across the country, living in Orange County to go and give everything you've got to a people in Las Vegas. Why are we here tonight? Because your pastor knew it was God's voice when he heard what he heard. He knew it wasn't a stranger. He knew it wasn't the enemy. He knew it wasn't his emotions. He said, I recognize that voice. That's the same voice that was talking to me when I was in my mother's womb and he was putting me together. That's why the disciples, when Jesus said, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The Bible says immediately they dropped everything and followed after Jesus because they're like, I've heard that voice before. I know, I know I might not understand it all right now, but that voice is familiar to me. I need you to start listening to the voice that is familiar to you. There are things that God will say to you and things that God will never say to you. And you need to get into scripture to determine what God will and what God won't say to you. There are a lot of things that you're believing that God is saying that God isn't saying. There are some things that you're believing that are from God that aren't from God. There are lies that you're believing from the enemy and you're thinking, maybe it's God. Maybe, maybe God doesn't. Maybe I'm 
Those aren't from God. God would never say something to you like, you're nothing. You're nobody. You're purposeless. You're a failure. You're going you're gonna to blow it. This is going to fail. This is going to fall. You're going to fall flat on your face. God doesn't talk to us like that. Those are lies from the enemy. You need to learn how to listen to only the voice of the Father. And he talks to you in such a completely different way. Deuteronomy 31 and 8 says the Lord is the one who goes ahead. The worship team, you guys can come on up. I'm already in negative time. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Psalm 139 and 5 says you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand a blessing on my head. Isaiah 55 and 12 says for the Lord, you will go before and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Isaiah 45 and two says, I will go before you and I will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. Sometimes the reason we don't understand our situation, will you guys stand with me? Sometimes the reason we don't understand our situation is because God sometimes answers your present situation from the future. And it doesn't make sense that you're in the middle of the scariest thing you've ever gone through. And all God would say to you is, don't be afraid. Like, God, I I need you. And he looks at you and says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. And we're like, but that's not enough. Like, I'm, I'm calling out your name because I am afraid. I'm pleading for your help because I am dismayed. And the reason God talks to us sometimes in those types of words that seem almost like he isn't interested in our situation is because God is answering us from the future. And here's the key. Anytime God looks at you and says, do not be afraid, you need to get excited because God, what God sees, you're asking God to get God, get me through this. And God already sees you through it. And that's why he says, don't be afraid. Why? Because he knows the outcome. He knows the outcome. I just would encourage you tonight to put your life fully in his hands. I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know exactly what's going on in your life, but I know for many of you, there are some unanswered questions. For some of you, this is the darkest day you've ever been in. For some of you, life is good. So maybe this doesn't apply to you. But for many of us, we're going through a lot of things we don't understand. And we hear the Lord say to us, do not be afraid. Man, this should get you so excited tonight because that means God has already seen you on the other side of this in the victory. See, that's the thing about being a believer. You are not fighting for a victory. You are fighting from a place of victory. You are more than an overcomer. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. This thing is not going to end you. Matter of fact, this is going to be a testimony again that ends whatever the devil had planned for you and others. And you got to believe that about your life. The reason God is telling me not to be afraid is because God is speaking from my future into my present He already sees me on the other side of this. Man, 1 Peter 1 and 18 says, 118 through 20, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, 
but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. When it's time, he will reveal why you are in what you are currently in. When it's time, you're in the middle of it right now and you don't recognize it right now. And sometimes it's hard to see right now. But when it's time, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, that blood that was poured out and shed for you, he will reveal himself in your situation. I just encourage you to hold on. Listen, faith is a fight. It's not easy. The apostle said, hey, I fought the good fight of faith. This wasn't easy. This was a fight for me. There were days when I wanted to give up, but I made a praise decision not to give up. And somebody in this room tonight needs to make a praise decision. You need to decide, listen, I'm not going to let my emotions tell me how this is going to work out because my emotions are telling me some crazy stuff right now. I'm going to believe that God is up to something good in my life. Maybe right now you want to just throw your hands up in the air and say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm putting my life in your hands. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. Listen, some may trust in horses. Some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. Some may put their confidence in the stock market. Some may put their confidence in the economy. Some may put their confidence in the White House. Some may put their confidence in local government. Some may put their confidence in their pastor. Some may put their confidence in preachers they see on television. Some may put their confidence in their family. Some may put their confidence in their education. Some may put their confidence in their money, but God, I'm not going to do that with my life because I know every one of those things will fail me. But God, you have never failed me. You haven't failed me yet. Maybe I've been disappointed, but you have never failed me. Maybe I thought it was going to work out a little bit different, but you have never failed me. You know the plans that you have for me. They are good and not evil. Come on, somebody give God some praise tonight that he is working all things together for the good of them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Come on, let's give him praise right now if we believe that the best is really yet to come, that God is up to something good in our life. Come on, let's...